0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Out and About with Antoinette. Now, you know, this is a podcast where I get an opportunity to interview some amazing people who are from in and around the state of Delaware that are doing positive things in their communities. Now, I'm excited because today my special guest is Bianca McCall. Now, Bianca is a retired woman's basketball player a TEDx speaker, a licensed clinical therapist, and suicidologist. She is 11 years the founder and executive director of a health group where she presents and trains organizations all across the country on mental, emotional, and behavioral health subjects. And if I say so myself, this is a very, very timely interview with Bianca. And she's also the owner of a tech company, which recently released a mobile health application called Reach In Now. And it's the first of its kind providing anonymous chats and video timelines 24 7 365 So they're there for you at all times to help you, you know, mental, emotional, and behavioral. Bianca, welcome to Out and About with Antoinette. Thank
1: you so much for, for having me. Thank you for the stellar introduction. Um, I wear many hats that to me, all that, all that combined uh, just tells me that I'm a <laughs> I'm pretty, uh, pretty busy lady out here uh, doing a lot, got a lot on my plate.
0: <laughs> and you are on the West Coast in Vegas, right? I am. I live in Las Vegas, the fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I visited very early in my life. But I remember it being such a beautiful state with just awesome, awesome landscape. So maybe one day I'll, I'll get back, you know, back to Vegas. Before we begin the conversation, and so, you know, everybody knows me. They should know me. You know, they should be following me. Um, we met recently in Wilmington at your TEDx talk. And right after you exited the stage, it was an awesome interview. You are a dynamo. Um, You know, in the introduction, I talked about, you know, you being a, a retired basketball player and all of that. But today, again, as I alluded to, this is a very timely topic, mental, emotional, and behavioral health. But, you know, how did you get into that field? You know, basketball is one thing, health is another thing, but take us through your journey to this point.
1: Sure, you know my my journey has been filled with with a lot of lessons um, to get to this point. It, it hasn't been an easy one, um, and much like I can say, uh, for a lot of us, um, you know, our, our our journeys have been have been filled with so many ups, so many downs, and uh, and you mentioned, Antoinette, that the last time that we uh, since the last time that we saw each other and spoke with each other, so much has changed, you know, in the world. And that's just, you know, I think indicative of the human condition, the human experience is that we're all really kind of adapting to these daily experiences where we're really exposed to trauma. And, and a lot of us, we don't even know it. We don't even understand to which degree uh, we're, we're exposed and experiencing traumatic incidences and events um, simply because we don't understand, um, we don't give ourselves that, that space, uh, that love, um, and, and that awareness, that sense of awareness, because we're, you know, we're all very much afraid of yes. being alone, you know, we're, we're afraid, uh, to, to know ourselves, because then we, we might get too deep into those questions of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: of why are we here and, and purpose. Um, but some of us are thrown into that by our lived experiences, are thrown into that sense of, I've got to create a purpose. Um, because the alternative is to remain attached to this pain, you know, mm. this grief, this pain. So, so I, I preface my story with with all of that is that you know I'm I'm you know I consider myself to be special in the sense that that I've I've spent some time just getting to know myself. Um, I've I've spent some time sitting with grief and with pain and and with the approach of I've got to heal this. Uh, I've got to heal this and be able to love and show compassion and heal myself before I could do that for anybody else. Uh, because by, by profession, by trade, I, I'm a trained and licensed uh, clinical therapist. But I had, to, uh, I had to face this moment of um, coming from behind the letters, coming out of that traditional uh, therapy environment and coming forward and saying, Hey, my name is Bianca, and here's my lived experiences. And and if you can relate, let's have a conversation. You know, let's have a conversation, even if you don't feel like you could relate, because oftentimes, uh, there's those connections where where I can relate to people, you know, based on their lived experiences. And so vulnerability, and sharing our stories is is kind of that first step uh, to something really beautiful happening. And that's, that's healing, that's, that's us going about our healing journeys. And And for me, being a retired athlete, I always add that to the conversation because uh, I had uh, some of my earliest injuries, you know, as as being an athlete and injury is such an important part of of the discussion, uh, especially today is because um, we can all wrap our minds around physical injuries, which I certainly experienced as a basketball player. Um, But there's also... You know, psychological injuries, psychological, which would refer to those mental, the things that injure or disrupt our, our mental state of being, our, our emotional wellness, our behavioral uh, patterns and health, right? Um, we could also have spiritual injury, things that disrupt or, um, or uh, really kind of cause us to go in this ego shock where we, uh, we start to ask ourselves existential questions. Why am I here? what is my purpose? Why did this happen to me? Anytime we start getting into um, a wavering faith or hope, uh, which, which life circumstances can certainly do, that's when, that's when we're, uh, we might be experiencing spiritual injury. So, so for me, I experienced physical and psychological and spiritual injuries, um, you know, throughout my, throughout my career as a basketball player, and even though I use the language career, I'm not talking about when I was uh, of adult age and, and able to really process. I mean, this started my career at, at basketball. My identity as, a, as an elite basketball player um, was in childhood. It started for me in childhood. So I constantly asked myself, Antoinette, uh, will people love me and accept me if I can't perform, you know, if I'm not performing at this high level? Um, will I be loved and accepted? And the reason why I, I, I was such a perfectionist and I overperformed, I overachieved, is because I was so afraid of not belonging. Because in the physical state of the world, um, you know, I grew up in a small town in Northern California with, with about a handful of Black families uh, at the time coming up. Um, and for me, I didn't feel like I belonged culturally um you know for me i in every aspect of my life really i didn't feel like i i belonged um even though you know i'm a black american uh female you know being a, a kid growing up in my family i go you know to oakland and to san francisco and visit my family <laughs> members who are still living in, in inner city and right and they're like you, you don't talk like us you don't you don't act like us you're over here talking about college and accomplishing all these things. Like that's, that's not what we do. Um, and, uh, and so I didn't feel like I belonged within my own culture, you know, and the only place I did was, was on the basketball court, but that's mm. where I was experiencing those injuries, you know? And for me, the, the injuries, it started with a physical injury. I, uh, I was on a recruiting trip and I was playing some pickup ball with the girls and, uh, and after 11 games or so, and I was playing some pretty great ball, I made a, I made a mistake, um, an unforced turnover that I would go back and try to correct by blocking her shot. And I end up leaping and, and tearing mm. uh, the ligaments in my, in my knee, in, in the cartilage of my knee. And not only answering that question that I always asked myself, will I be loved and and accepted and belong if I can't perform? And the answer was no. I went from having hundreds of scholarship opportunities and offers rescinded and where only two schools were were willing to take me on. And and that's with a lot of question, a lot of doubt, a lot of speculation of whether or not I'd be able to return to that level of play. Um, And so I experienced that loss of identity, you know, at a young age. And, and how that was treated, how the adults in the environment in the rooms uh, responded was by continuing the conversation about the physical injury and focusing on that. And then also treating how we treat physical injuries and how we treat injuries as a society as is we, we isolate, we extract, we treat or repair, and then we, we put it back into that system that has likely unchanged or moved on, right. uh, Without, without the injury moved on from the injury. So for me, I was isolated, you know, I was extracted from, you know, my team and and my school that was in pursuit of this championship. And I was treated, I was said to be repaired, but I was treated with medications, Mm. right. Chemicals and being a young girl, young black girl, not having any understanding you know, or, or any documented precedent of, of how that affects, you know, a, a young black girl that's going into a rich industry like, you know, college sports. And so um, so I definitely battled with uh, what, what would be considered depression, anxiety, you know, imposter syndrome. Um, I was having an identity crisis feeling, you know, after losing my identity as a star basketball player, I was having an identity crisis. Who was I now with the injury? And I was looking around to everybody to kind of tell me who, who I was, like most kids do. And, uh, and the response that I got was inaccurate. You know, the response that I got was that I, was, I had lost my mind. I was crazy, Ooh. you know, as I was experiencing uh, some things that were very legitimately you know, chemical withdrawals and, and, and kind of the consequences of a physical injury. And then you mix that with, uh, with narcotics and, and, you know, all these painkillers and, and that immense pressure to perform, um, what I was going through was pretty normal, but, uh, it, it was, it was not normal in the sense that, um, I was isolated and, and not able to really talk about it.
0: And Bianca, as you are speaking, and I'm, you know, viraciously taking notes, I'm listening to you, I'm looking at you, and I'm understanding a lot, and you're touching on points where a lot of our young people today are going through similar, however, they don't have the tools, the means, the support to assist with, you know, depression, mental anxiety, uh, physical pain, feeling left out, feeling uh, of not belonging, feeling isolated, feeling less than, feeling better than. There's all these feelings. So you are you know, I believe that God has put you in this position to help and you're going to, and you have helped so many, like I said, you know, you and I were sitting here, we're having this conversation and I'm just thinking of the babies and the young people that just don't know what to do, where to turn. And some of them can get on, you know, medication and then that can turn bad or they can get into a, 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 a thought that no one loves me, no one wants me, so I might as well kill myself or kill someone else. I mean, how, you know, again, you and I are of totally different eras. I'm a boomer born in the 60s. We were told, just pick yourself up and keep on going. We did not have, you know, or it was like, okay, go to church, pray on it, you'll be all right. That was the answer to everything. Pray on it, it'll be all right. And we know that that is not, you know, you know, especially that was, you know, black community. That's what we were told. You just go to church to pray, on God take care of it. But how are you feeling today? I mean, are you optimistic, or are you saddened and pessimistic about the future of our young people today, and how they're dealing emotionally, psychologically, and you know, physically? Wow. I appreciate the question,
1: Antoinette. Um, I would say that I am optimistic because I am a woman of faith. Um, and, and I am, uh, myself motivated, inspired every day by so many people, uh, that I'm fortunate enough and blessed to to be able to connect with that share this passion, um, that share this thriving in purpose, um, to be able to, to spread messages like kindness is free, right? (laughs) Yes. Right. Um, Yep. uh, We, we, there's so many amazing people out there um, doing the work. Um, It's, it's not, it's not all about me. It's all about um, increasing those, those opportunities to have those conversations, you know, is, is kind of what I'm all about. And so, so with that being said, um, I'm very optimistic. I'm also optimistic because what I what I could see from younger generations um, is is a powerful thing. I, I think there's a uh, significant power that that's harnessed with our young people. And in order for things to change, um, we need to in, increase, access to resources. We need to improve our, our resources, right? And and I'm a huge proponent in what I do in, in my programming with Reach and Resiliency is I talk about uh, every, what I consider to be stakeholder groups within a community, within what I call an ecosystem. There are several different, there are several different stakeholder groups. We can identify three three major stakeholder groups within every ecosystem. So let's take a look at our school systems um, for, for example, and especially in, in lieu of, of what we've recently uh, experienced um, with, the, with the school shooting in Texas. So our school systems, the three major stakeholder groups would be the student, the young person themselves, would be the managers of the systems, who's in charge of operating. So that's led by our educators. And then we've got administrators and paraprofessionals that operate the school systems. And then the third stakeholder group would be uh, the entourage for the students. So that would include the the parents, Mm -hmm. the caregivers, Um, it would include peer groups as well, you know, an empowered peer group. So other students, other friends, or other agents that otherwise support the students, right? So those would be the three major stakeholder groups that I would identify in the, in the school's ecosystem. So the philosophy of, of my brand and and my programming and company is that we can no longer, um, we can no longer go through that regiment that I explained how we deal with injury. We can no longer extract, isolate, treat, and then throw people back into systems that have not changed that do not support healing and recovery. Right. And, in equitability, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we can't have a, a, a system that does not encourage equity and equality, right. As distinctive, distinctively two things. So, within the school system, we can't continue to do what we've seen, right? We say, okay, there's there's some behavioral issues, you know, our, our, um, our youth and adolescent mental health, we're currently in a national state of emergency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so what we see the school systems doing is um, is looking for the answer in social emotional learning curriculum or programs, right? And so they have administrators that are researching evidence-based natural or'm excuse me national nationally recognized social emotional learning programs, SEL programs to basically purchase from these inventors of these programs they purchase or they lease content where the educators and professionals are expected to learn this content and then teach it to uh, the student body and that's been, the, um, you know, the, the priority for these school systems in addressing mental, emotional, behavioral health of the students. Um, so I'm not saying this is wrong, but me naturally being a disruptor, right? In order to <laughs> change, um, I'm saying it's it's not comprehensive because what we're looking at is teaching our children how to be resilient Uh, through a through a third party curriculum. So we're we're utilizing our educators and our paraprofessionals as these commodities to transport this information from the the curriculum inventor to the student, right? Mm. And and that's important to understand what we're doing. Um, I use the word utilize, but in often cases, it's it's looked at as misusing our educators and paraprofessionals, because when do they have the time to, to train more, to learn more, to teach the students? Right, if we're if we're extremely focused on um, just the regular subjects and testing and national, you know, ranking and how that has to do with finances and all these other things, our teachers are already um, overburdened. Right, they're they're the the underpaid. You know, mm-hmm. industry and profession, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you've got you've got a ton of, of complex um, issues or, or dynamics that have to do with the the makeup of the workforce for our school system, right? You've got some gender issues, you've got mm-hmm. wage gap issues, you've got um, all these expectations which the pandemic kind of exploited that we expect our educators and paraprofessionals at school systems to raise our children, and we expect them. To let us know that we are post-pandemic, because as soon as the kids can go back to school, that means that we can go back to work, right? And we can open up. So, so we put these expectations on our educators and paraprofessionals, and and to add to that and say, okay, and learn this new program that's going to somehow help our kids' behavior, you know, correct our kids' behavior. It's not realistic, right? And right. so looking at three major stakeholder groups we're looking at tailoring a three-pronged approach right to to healing the entire system not just one stakeholder group being the students we believe that if the educators mental health is not okay if their parents mental health is not okay if the adults in the environment are not okay then the kids are not going to be okay we can't be optimistic that the kids will somehow be okay if we integrate another, another something to learn. Right. But rather we have to empower the strengths of everybody in the ecosystem so that Mm -hmm. they can become the resource. Right. Yeah. We have to increase our resources by increasing the amount of confident and competent adults in the Mm -hmm. environment because adults, what they do for, for our children is they model through their behavior, how to so how to be resilient is modeled through our, our parents, our caregivers, our teachers, mm-hmm. our you know, the, the trusted adults in our lives. How to model uh, coping strategies, how to model communication, all of those things. That's the responsibility of the adult. And then on top of that, with communication, there's that added layer of complexity where now we're giving our, our young people the language so that they can use that language to express what they're going through. So we wonder why, when we ask our kids, how are you doing? And they say, I'm fine. Right. And we don't know whether or not that's true. Mm-hmm. That, that's a reflection that how we've modeled in our use of language within the ecosystem is not is, is insufficient, right? Mm-hmm. It's not comprehensive because that young person doesn't have the language can't draw to anything. As far as language, we can't ask our kids how are they doing and expect them to talk about how they're feeling mm-hmm. if we as parents do not. Do not, right? I I met with, uh, you know, I, I do counseling work with families and, and parents, and I and I recall one parent specifically um, crying in 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 my office and telling me, you know, her work experience, she feels as though she's bullied at work, right, wow. from the other women in the office. Um, she's, she's a African-American woman with dark skin. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and she feels in the workplace, which that still exists, you know, some discriminatory practices, right. And how she deals with it is she cries on the way to work, Mm. cries on the way home. She gets home. She has four kids. She sits in the garage for 15 minutes and cries and gets all that out. And then as soon as she walks in the house, she cooks dinner, she cleans, she does homework, you know, she's mom duties, right? Expect Next her. them to be healthy,
0: normal. Yeah.
1: Everything's okay. Wow. Yeah. Which, which a lot of people can probably relate to that, whether yes. or not they they enjoy their jobs. I know certainly a ton of educators can relate to the crime on oh, yes. the way mm-hmm. and on the way home and during break periods. Um, anybody that's involved in the workforce over the last two years, I'm sure have had those moments, right? Yes. And and as adults. You know, and and, and for my generation and and beyond and before Mm you mentioned, we didn't talk about injury, you know, and for me, I always tell the story of being a basketball player. I was asked, McCall, are you hurt or are you injured? And hurt meant meant that I go back on the court and I play. You play through pain. You play through hurt. Injured meant you got to come out and we've got to treat that. Right, but injury. No, no athlete wants to be injured, right? Just like nobody else in pursuit of championship in their life, at whatever roles, whatever responsibilities, whatever jobs, nobody wants to be injured. We don't even want to take off of work if we're sick. We'll right? play through the hurt. You yes. play through that as as mothers, as fathers. You know, in that example, as, as parents in that example, you're not you're not going to tell your kids. You know what I. I just can't do it today.
0: I can't do it today. I can't feed you today. You know? You're not gonna do that. Oh my God, Bianca. We, I mean, you are amazing. I mean, you, (laughs) this, I'm again, I'm taking note. I need to talk to you again. I mean, I'm just looking at this ecosystem, the three-pronged students, you know, the managers, as you said, you know, those are the educators. Um, And then of course the parents and the role. And they always say, you know, if you, that's a three-legged stool, right? And we know that three-legged stool. So yeah. if one of the legs don't work, you can't sit. You're just going to fall Absolutely. over. I mean, we could talk. Oh, I'm just taking, I'm just taking, no, we're going to take a quick break right now. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm just, you just all in my head and I'm just, I'm just loving this, but we got to take this quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Bianca, We're going to talk about your program. I want you to talk about your program, you know, Reach and Resiliency Program, even though, you know, this is a Delaware thing. We know people all over the world listening to this. And I know there's people in your area in Vegas that's going to want to connect with you, okay? So we'll be right back after this quick break. And don't forget, you can find and follow me on all my social media platforms by using the linktree ID, A Blake Enterprises. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome to Out and About with Antoinette on the Delaware Blogger Podcast. I'm your host, Antoinette Blake, and if you're a new listener, let me tell you what you'll be hearing here on Out and About with Antoinette. Each week, I have an opportunity to interview a guest who is from in or around the state of Delaware that is doing positive things in their communities. I will introduce you to them so that they can share their vision and their mission and then you can share with others. So stay tuned each week to Out and About with Antoinette. In the meantime, in between time, make sure you subscribe to my blog, dellblogger.com. Find and follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at dellblogger, and on Twitter at DelawareBlogger. And you can see my face in the place on YouTube and IGTV see ya it's the D.E. Diva, a.k.a. the Delaware Blogger
2: are you ready to join the billion dollar podcasting industry if so Blake's booth podcasting studio is ready for you Whether you're just starting out and have no equipment, or you're a seasoned pro but need help with production, Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio has everything you need. Conveniently located in Middletown, Delaware, Blake's state-of-the-art production facilities make producing your first or 100th podcast a breeze. No matter what kind of project you have in mind, the professionals at Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio can help with your production or give you the tools to produce it on your own. At the heart of Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio is award-winning blogger, vlogger, and CEO, Antoinette Blake. And her goal is simple, to help one more entrepreneur be successful. So, stop making excuses and start making your podcast, audiobook, e-course, and other online dreams come true. Call Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio now. 302-261-3530. That's 302-261-3530.
0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. This is Out and About with Antoinette. And I'm your host, Antoinette Blake, the CEO of A. Blake Enterprises, social media marketing and consulting, an award-winning blogger, blogger, author, podcast host, professional speaker, and educator. And here on Out and About with Antoinette, every week on a Wednesday at 1, I am interviewing a guest from in and around the state of Delaware who's doing some positive things in their community. And today, we are really getting deep. I am talking to Bianca McCall and Bianca, you know, yeah, she's a retired basketball player, but what we're talking about now is a program that she has reach in resiliency program and she's in Vegas. So it doesn't matter, you know, but you, you've got to listen to this whole show, listen to it again, because we're talking about, what we're going through as a nation what we're going through as adults what we're going through as kids mentally emotionally psychologically playing through injury playing through hurt what is it how do we you know navigate this new quote and unquote new world and if it's not a new world how do we look back and say this works let's build on this don't just try to throw new stuff in the mix you know, and and make it all mishy-mashy. And Bianca, when you were talking about, you know, educators and already having a lot on their plate, I'm gonna be honest, that's why I left. I received my BS degree in elementary education back in 1983. And I taught for one year and I couldn't take it anymore. I had to leave. I had to leave. First and foremost, my salary was twelve one forty-five. You can believe that number. (laughs) But (laughs) it was just so much, you know, with the kids and the educators and the parents even back then. So I can only imagine my husband, he's a retired from the school um, because that support wasn't there. And the kids, you know, I mean, it was just so much. So, you know, we wanna work with you. We wanna talk to you. We wanna sit down with you. We want to know more, you know, tell us, you know, about the Reach and Resiliency Program and how we can connect with you.
1: Sure. And, and again, I just wanna thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation. Um, Especially in, in in lieu of what's gone on in our country, uh, with the recent school shooting and 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 another attempted school shooting just days later uh, in Wisconsin, uh, there's there's no uh, secret. Nobody should be, unless you've been living under a rock, nobody should should uh, be without uh, information that our school systems are are in a state of crisis, which is reflecting. Uh, the larger and global issue that our young people, our youth are in a state of crisis. And, and it, it's actually, it's, an, it's been nationally um, assumed as youth and adolescents, uh, their mental health is in a state of crisis. We're in a national state of emergency. And so uh, to, to bring light to this conversation, um, and, and what I mean by bringing light is bringing education, uh, bring validation. You know, we have to validate everybody's experience within the school system. Um, it's not just um, you know looking at the symptom, but we're looking at the root causes and, and how do we heal? How do we recover as a school system? And that's exactly what Reach in Resiliency, the program. Uh, that's what it was born, you know, into. And it was born after uh, the initial impact of the novel coronavirus pandemic when the landscape of of industries and ecosystems like education, like healthcare, uh, sports, food and beverage, you know, they would be forever changed. And across all workforce industries, as we talked about, and across the lifespan, uh, we're just now beginning to understand the underlying mental health crisis, uh, which posed a significant threat to Uh, not just a particular race of people when we refer to different and some disparate and historically disenfranchised ethnicities or cultures or communities. um, We're also talking about uh, the significant threat to um, us as a human race. You know, when we look at um, us as a human race, a race of people or or different cultures and communities, um, born gender and gender identities, you know we're also looking at uh, human race race of people and then as a person you know being very disconnected right now um, and and where you know the the discussion about mental health emotional health and behavioral health you know it has to be a constant one you know that we talk about all the time and so uh, reach and resiliency again we look at those three major stakeholder groups but we also have a three-pronged approach to how we're healing you know we're activating um, you know, healing and resilience within each of those stakeholder groups. And, and those three offering um, come, in, come in the form of, of um, offering like a concierge consulting, mm. uh, you know, on critical incidents and, and emergency mental health action planning um, that's conjoined with assemblies and workshops and, and influencer-based activation events where uh, the influencers um, that that work with Reach In In Now and Reach In uh, Resiliency um, are professional athletes, uh, retired and active, social influencers, uh, community leaders, and and other professionals within the space. Um, The second offering of the three is that tailored culture-specific language uh, in college and in workforce development accredited Uh, these micro training courses that are available online uh, and they're compatible with uh, with exclusive learning management systems like uh, one um, Matthew Holland uh, created my VC so that's one that that includes the reach and resiliency programming uh, in their learning management system and the the third transformer of this is uh, some really cool technology, which I'm excited about, because kind of crossed over from from exclusively clinical practice um, to to doing uh, some things where where technology it's it's really limitless, right? So uh, about a year or so ago, I linked with a tech team called Irelate, who's partnered with Microsoft. You may have heard of them, right? Microsoft. Uh, so we were able to uh, design and, and co-develop an anonymous mobile health application uh, that really focuses on uh, peer supports, right? And, and there's this proven model called uh, Resiliency Resource Network, which is a model that, um, that uses peer supports as kind of front lines. And uh, we're able to use moderation, whether it be uh, technology uh, through, through bots, kind of moderating mm-hmm. conversations. Um, or live peer moderators, so people that have been trained, um, that have gone through our, our resiliency curriculum, um, they're able to moderate conversations and based on uh, a set of keywords and phrases, um, we've also, in our 2.0 version, we're releasing uh, video clips in our mobile apps. So something that mirrors like a TikTok experience, Mm -hmm. but because it's anonymous, we've got different filters and things that somebody can remain anonymous if they still choose to. Um, So through the use of the filters, we're able to track emotions, different points on the face and expressions through our affect Mm -hmm. that may indicate that somebody is sad or angry um, or in a personal crisis. Really cool thing about technology as well is that we just were collaborating with a, a software pro, a software company um, that is compatible with your, um, your Fitbits, your, your Apple Watches, your Pelotons, your Tonals, um, all these smart devices and wearable devices so that we can also track uh, what's called circadian rhythms or functions that have to do with our, our sleep patterns. Um, Our oxygen and and blood pressure, our our blood oxygen, um, our activity, all the things that are monitored, you know, what you would think through a smartwatch, we're able to connect that information and that data with your usage data on the app, along with Um, You know, just the the concierge, the consulting and and things of that nature through assessment, through qualitative research, and we're able to kind of scope and see where somebody is actually at their peak performance in terms of their mental fitness, you know, so for everybody that's going to be a different measurement, you know, I may be uh, mentally fit you know, and in, in, in getting five hours of sleep, whereas somebody else may, may be in their peak performance if they're getting eight hours of sleep, you know? Um, so we're able to kind of uh, help people identify where they're at on this spectrum, on this continuum. And that for us is, is challenging uh, some of the myths that we feel like uh, keep people from, from seeking help. Some of those myths are, are like um, binary thinking. We think somebody's either mentally ill or they're mentally healthy. And so if we're experiencing some symptoms or we may be even living with a condition of a mental health condition, we may be less likely to seek help because to us and to everybody else, we perceive that, that, uh, the stigma is we're mentally ill, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but, but that's one of the, the key things that, that I teach, you know, when I train, especially is that you don't have to have a mental health condition to experience a mental health crisis. Exactly. Exactly. Say that again, please. You don't have to have a mental health condition in order to experience a mental health crisis. So we've got to we've got to dispel those myths, right? And, and get out of that binary way of thinking that somebody is either ill or they're not. Um, you know, in the space of suicide, that's that's one of the the leading questions to when we ask ourselves why, how could somebody do that? Is because we were thinking that they were not suicidal, but it's not it's not a binary concept. Somebody is not either suicidal or they're not. not, There's a spectrum. And once we all have that, that self-awareness, we master self um, and we're able to see, Hey, this is where we are on a spectrum any given day, you know, from all the messages that we're consuming uh, in any given day, if we can be self-conscious and self-aware, then we can understand and show compassion that other people are also you know, vacillating on this, on this spectrum, on this continuum. And once we become keen, uh, keenly aware at being able to identify signs and symptoms that somebody is at risk, that Mm -hmm. we're ourselves are at risk, uh, then we can, we can hit with those, those interventions that make
0: sense for
1: us. Right. Wow. Bianca,
0: I'm like blown away by this. This is wow. I, I'm going to, I need, you know, I'm going to get more information from you because I want to get this out there, not only, you know, in this podcast, but, you know, on my blog, because again, we are in a crisis and, you know, we're in a crisis and we need help. Yeah. And it's all of us. It's not
1: just, you know, what I, what I really have appreciated about um, taking this, this journey, right. I, I consider it uh, a journey of my own, my own life's purpose and and, and passion, because me, I, I navigated this healing process all alone, you right. know, without people really um, thinking it was okay to have those conversations, because I identify with so many different cultures that the crossover is, is that we do not talk about pain as an athlete, as a as a as a young person, as a young black person, as you know, uh, being from a family with military service, mm-hmm. law enforcement, mm-hmm. social servants. I mean, it's um, we like crossover. to mask it.
0: We just mask it and just
1: yeah. Like- we it, integrity. It's integrity above all else, and integrity is defined oftentimes by how much pain and suffering that we willfully endure, you know, we say excellence in everything that we do. Well, excellence is oftentimes confused with perfection, Uh right? And uh we've got a bunch of perfectionists. We also have the service before self, right? Uh Or, Or performance before self, the show must go on. And oftentimes that's confused with the sacrifice of self, And so we've got to really address kind of those cultural rules that keep Mm -hmm. us from seeking help when we need it, that keep us from loving ourselves or giving ourselves a break when we need it, and then being able to do that for somebody else. And for for me, as I'm navigating this and, and I take kind of all that intellectual property and I put it into this resiliency curriculum. For me, it's not just for um, it's not just for me. A part of reaching in is yes, reaching in and starting with self, because I I always say and I believe we're a champion of nothing if not ourselves. Right. But reaching in has that duality because in our healing journeys we get to a point where mentorship becomes very important, where servant leadership becomes very important, and in those roles we reach in and we pull out the next man and the next woman and the next young person, the next veteran
0: and LGBTQ plus and. Oh, uh, Bianca, and you got me. Groups. Awesome, yeah. Bianca, Bianca. I'm loving it. How do we connect with you? How do we get with you after we're listening to you? We're going to call you. We're going to email you. We're going to go to your social platforms. How are we going to get to you? Please do. So please visit
1: uh, the the website uh, that has more information. It's at www.bc.org reachinnow.com. So first visit that website, get to know um, the the programs that we have available, get to know a little bit more about me uh, that we have available. And then also some of the cool technologies, we also make announcements on that on the website. But if you go to reachinnow.com, you'll be able to learn more information. And this is for any school system, any sports program at the university or college level, Uh, for criminal justice programs. I work with probation departments. I work with uh, detention centers and facilities. Um, For any uh, law enforcement first responder, I work with um, uh, fire departments. I work with police departments, um, and and where I, I not only look at the department as its own ecosystem, again, we work with every level uh, and every stakeholder group within those ecosystems. But if you are a professional in the workforce, right, and you can relate to anything that I've said, please email me, email me for a a consultation and presentation of what what we can do um, at your your department or at your system. Um, But like I said, we offer, Consulting, we offer the workshops and, and uh, the on- access to our online training curriculum, which is college accredited, which is accredited in multiple states for workforce development or continuing education credits. Um, so there's that incentive uh, to complete the resiliency training. Um, we also do the access to our, our technology. So um, we outfit sports programs with Fitbit watches. We, we outfit them with access to our, our mobile health application um, that's anonymous. And that's, again, every stakeholder group. So coaches and uh, administrators within the athletic department, uh, physiotherapists, psychotherapists, all, all will have their own uh, secure and private spaces within the app. So if you are interested, email me. It's really, really simple. The email address is hello, hello at reachinnow.com. Hello at reachinnow.com. And we'll get you some more information. We'll schedule a presentation um, or a consult.
0: Bianca, bless you. I mean, you are just an amazing person. And like I left you, you know, before you left me at the other interview, I want you to leave us. With wow, like words of wisdom before you leave, give us a wow. Words of wisdom
1: um, today. I'd like for that to be that w- we deserve it, and and it's it is now. It's it's happening now. Um, I think the first part of that we deserve it. Um, it. It seems like it's something that that shouldn't even have to be said, but but it does because just the way that our society thinks about health and wellness and things that benefit us, we've been taught to almost um, villainize those things. You know, when we say, when we talk about money, for example, we, we villainize it, uh, we, we say that it's a sin and, and all these things, and that keeps us separate, you know, from from being, um, you know, an equitable partner in our world's economy, right? If, if we grow up right. and believe, that we shouldn't want these things, we shouldn't desire these things. Um, wellness is one of those, you know, we, in, in so many of our communities, and in speaking to the communities that I myself identify with, um, we're taught to hate different parts of ourselves, right, to, to break down different parts of ourselves, to suppress different parts of ourselves, um, and so just hearing, just getting that permission from somebody, and hopefully if, if that's the one thing that this podcast can do is one person says, okay, I, Bianca gave me permission saying that I deserve to be healed and to be whole and and to be happy, um, then then that's what I would like to to leave the listeners with. You deserve it. You have permission. And the time is now. We don't need to wait. Uh, before something or some things get worse. We don't have to wait to a point of crisis, even. I'm not speaking to just people that are in crisis. I'm speaking to somebody who is not in crisis, but is maybe feeling a little bit of that dis-ease, you know, or know somebody, you know, we got some degrees of separation because what we know about mental health crises, what we know about topics like suicide is that there are no degrees of separation, at some point, we all will be impacted in dealing directly with, with uh, mental health, right? And so uh, don't wait until that's a crisis and it's unmanageable. Let's do this right now. There's, there's no excuses. There's not one more school that I need to look at on the news in a shooting to talk about mental health and school safety, along with the conversation of, of, of common sense gun laws. I just think we cannot just focus on one. We have to focus on all because Schools have been unsafe for years. We have seen escalated incidents of violence on school campuses all year. This has been the most tumultuous school year in recent history where school violence, meaning kids are are violent against each other. Mm -hmm. Kids are being violent with educators and paraprofessionals. There's sexual violence that's going on in bathrooms, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. going on after school days are let out. And so, or at bus stops or nearby communities school violence or schools have been unsafe for a while now of course when we talk about gun safety and kids bringing you know lethal weapons to school then you know we've got to have an additional conversation but we cannot ignore the fact that in the signs that schools have become unsafe Mm -hmm. um that and 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 that mental health you know is is uh something that we all have to be working on, not just the kids, something to teach the kids. But as adults, we've got to
0: get our stuff together. Yeah, we do. We do. Bianca, you know what? You know, I guess that we could go on and I might even bring it back on. We can continue this conversation because we need it. You know, you never not have enough of this conversation. Never, never, ever not. But, you know, I'm, I'm just so thankful and grateful that God has put you in my life that we had an opportunity to meet and they're going to stay connected. You know, we have to stay connected because we're all warriors in this and uh, we just have to keep pushing forward. So thank you. Thank you again. I am wishing you continued success. May God continue to bless you, your mission and your vision. Thank you so much. And I thank you. I thank you all for listening to today's episode of Out and About with Antoinette. Because every week I have this uh, this platform, this privilege of interviewing guests and bringing forth their information, whether they're in the state of Delaware or in Vegas, but they're doing some great, amazing things in their communities. And if you'd like to be a guest here on Out and About with Antoinette, please send an email to info at ablakeenterprises.com. And don't forget, you can find and follow me on all my social media platforms, including my blog and my blog, by simply using the Linktree ID, A Blake Enterprises. Again, thank you, Bianca. Thank you for coming on. And I thank you for listening. And please share this link with your family, your friends, your bae, and your boo, too. And until the next time, stay smart, stay safe, and stay social, because I will see you in cyberspace. See ya! It's the D.E. Diva, a.k.a. the Delaware Blogger, wishing you and yours a beautifully blessed day. Bye-bye.